One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, double that, four on the back. There are 14 speakers in here. This is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Shazam! Looks like half a superhero movie, half super bad. Sometimes dead is better. Stephen King's 1983 classic novel, Pet Cemetery, is being remade into a movie, and people seem to like this one better. How's this possible? Hello! And it must be school holidays because Wonder Park is a new kids' film for the big screen. Hello, hello, my name is Kyron Wheatley and I've seen heaps of movies, but none of those. Luckily, Vary McIntyre and Michael Campbell hello. both have. Now, as always, we have a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass to give away, but first... You've run from foster homes in six counties. I can take care of myself. When you're 18, give these people a chance, because that's what they're giving you. Dude. Just messing around. You look at me and you're like, why so dark? You're a disabled foster kid. You've got it all. After this many years of comic book movies, we're running low on the Spider-Mans and the Batmans and the Wonder Womans. Hell, we're even running low on the Ant-Mans and the Aquamans. We're down to Shazam. He doesn't even have man in his name. But DC is hoping that you can see past the low name recognition factor and fall in love with this new superhero. Because this one is a little bit different. DC's new tactic seems to be whatever will work, we'll just do that. And, uh, you know, Aquaman is different. Aquaman? It did. It did a tune of over a billion dollars. So I think they're finally on the right path, maybe. And for people that don't know who Shazam is, and there is a lot of people that don't because he's not exactly, you know, one of the big four or five that everyone seems to know. Story of Billy Batson, who by chance encounter, which always seems to happen in comic books, uh, is imbued with the powers of the wizard Shazam. So when he says the word Shazam, he transforms into the superhero. Great. Here's the thing. I have spent years kicking DC films. (laughs) (laughs) Batman vs. Superman didn't like it. Even Aquaman, which people did like, didn't like it. Mm. Finally, there's one that I like. (laughs) And it's the least DC movie they've ever made. Yeah, well, because the filmmakers of this were a bit different, weren't they? Yeah, this was David F. Sandberg, who isn't super well-known, but he came from, like, micro-budget horror movies. Yeah. I mean, he came from YouTube originally. He made a short film called Lights Out that became the movie Lights Out, and then he made an Annabelle film, and then suddenly he's Shazam. He's doing that, which I guess is, like, DC's new strategy because they did the same thing with James Wan for Aquaman. He made Saw, he made The Conjuring. You know what? Give him Aquaman. He made a billion dollars. That's our new strategy, I guess. Darla, it's me. It's Billy. I know I don't look like me. A wizard made me look Maybe like Maybe don't start with the wizard. It's just going to make her more confused. Some old guy brought me to a temple and he made me say Shazam. Rosa! Verbally triggered body manipulation properties. You can switch by saying Shazam. As a non-superhero lover, Vari, how do you find Shazam? We are getting a lot of these movies, aren't we? This is one that I didn't have any idea about, except when we were researching The Rock for a movie he did. Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Sorry, yes, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. (laughs) And I noticed that he is getting his own superhero movie called Black Adam. And that is the villain or anti-hero to Shazam. And then there was links to Marvel in that as well. So there is a confusing history and I'll Mm. clarify it as much as I can. So Shazam hasn't always been called Shazam. Back in the 40s when he was created by a company called Fawcett Comics, his name was Captain Marvel. Right. (laughs) So his name was Captain Marvel and eventually Fawcett was brought by DC and he's a DC character now. But then, of course, you have 
Captain Marvel, which she just had the movie for. And he Shazam remained Captain Marvel all the way up to 2011 before they were like, wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it's not great to have a competitor's name in yeah. the title of one of our main heroes. So he's been changed to Shazam. Well, everyone was suing each other over all sorts of yeah. things because <laughs> Shazam was too close to Superman, yeah. which is why DC sued this other company and took the name. But then Marvel was like, no, that's our name. And then, oh, so confusing. <laughs> How's the film? <laughs> Less confusing. D- despite all of that mess, the film is genuinely fantastic. My only slight criticism is that it takes a little while to get going, maybe 20 to 30 minutes or so. Um, but from the point that Billy Batson gets the powers all, of Shazam. Do all comic book names have to be alliterated? Is that some sort of law somewhere? Well, I know that's something that, even though this isn't a Stanley creation, Stanley loved it, so Peter yeah. Parker, Bruce Banner, all exactly. that. But I think it's just like a shorthand to know they're a comic book character, isn't it? You yeah, know? it is. It's like, that's the superhero <laughs> their name alliterates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and until, until you get to Tony Stark. He had to be different, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, exactly. So once Billy Batson becomes... Tony Tark is a shit name. <laughs> <laughs> Once Billy Batson gets the powers of Shazam, from that point on, the movie is just pure joy. It's, it's I think, the most fun I've had in a comic book movie since maybe, like, in fact, here's a good reference, the first ever Iron Man movie. Once he becomes Iron Man, there's that montage of about 40 minutes of him trying the suits, and it's it's some of the best superhero movie that there ever has been is that little sequence in Iron Man in which he's learning to become Iron Man. There is the equivalent to that in Shazam in which he is discovering his powers as Shazam because he doesn't know what they are completely. It is such a ball. And Zachary Levi, who plays Shazam, plays the superhero side of him, is like the perfect representation of a 15-year-old kid in an adult body. He doesn't come off annoying or whiny at all, but he comes off super enthusiastic and he loves everything. He just wants to try everything. Yeah, and that's the point of difference with this movie as well, that we have a child becoming a superhero. And although they become an adult as well, it kind of is like a Spider-Man. Mm. We've just had Into the Spider-Verse, which uh, had a version where Spider-Man is just a child in this as well. And it plays on that childlike imagination where when you are younger and you want to become a superhero and you look up to these bigger superhero names like Batman and Superman and that, and you want to become that. So that sort of film to me could go either of two ways. One, it's for kids to imagine themselves as an adult or perhaps more like Superbad, it's for adults, like, remembering what it's like to be a kid. Which one is this? This is a family film, like, through and through. I think to some comic book fans, that might even be, like, a dirty phrase. They say it's a family film because they like their Infinity Wars and they like all that. It is not a family film in the sense that there's talking animals or anything like that, but if I was a... We'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If I was, like, a 14-year-old kid, this would be my favourite movie because that whole Spider-Man analogy is really good because... It is so much more relatable as a kid to see yourself. Like no one is a billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne when they're 14. (laughs) But you can imagine yourself being a young kid that becomes a superhero. And for that reason, I think kids are going to love it so much. Billy Batson. I choose you as champion. There's two things in this as well. I think sometimes I'm a bit unfair to child actors. You mean like when you absolutely panned the children in Dumbo? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right, okay. Kids in this, fantastic. Yeah. They're fantastic. <laughs> they're, they're really good. They're, like, you, you can see even in when Billy Batson is a you know, 14-year-old kid, he's kind of swarmy and he's a little bit of a con man at times and he, he says things to get what he wants. But another thing that's great about this movie is so Billy Batson's an orphan. 
And it's one of the rare examples. Is that the great thing? Well, <laughs> I'll explain. It's a rare example of a foster home being shown as a really positive, welcoming environment. Because whenever foster homes are shown in movies, it's always like Helena Bonham Carter is, yeah. is, is the mom and there's all crooked hallways and stuff like that and everyone's mean to everyone. But this is just a nice, wholesome foster family that Can he grows done. up in. Yeah. So who should see this film? If you're like me and you've been apprehensive to DC movies thus far, this one is by far the best one. Also, the way I would pitch it to anyone is it's Iron Man 1 but big. If you cross those two movies, you get this weird mishmash of a movie that for some reason shouldn't work, but really does. It reminds me of Deadpool, but for a family audience. So many trees. It's beautiful, right? That's definitely not Boston. Here we go. Okay, so what do you think? Wow, this whole place is ours? I even got him to throw in a whole forest as a new backyard. Kids used to dare each other to go into the woods at night. They knew the power of that place. They feared it. Stephen King is every teenage boy's favourite writer because all teenage boys love The Shawshank Redemption. It's their favourite <laughs> movie of all time. Teenage boys love Shawshank Redemption, Smells Like Teen Spirit and Links Africa. But for whatever you think of Shawshank, you can't deny that he has written some pretty darn successful movies and novels such as It and 1983's horror novel Pet Cemetery, which has been made into a movie for the second time. Yeah, the first time was in 1989, I think, and then there was also a Pet Cemetery 2 in 1992. So you can imagine the quality of those. So... <laughs> You know it's from 92 because it has Edward Furlong in it. Oh, <laughs> he wasn't in anything after like 93. Deep cut burn from Cambo there. <laughs> so this one follows a family and they move out to the country to have a bit of a, a slower lifestyle. And tragically, their cat is killed. Um, but the neighbour says that there's this weird cemetery in a uh, Native American burial ground behind the property where they oh can bury God, the cat. Oh my God, I've seen this movie. You have? The original? Did, yeah, I've seen that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of people, oh, when, when I explain to them, they're like, I've seen that Simpsons episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've so, seen this. if you've seen either of those, you'll know that the cat comes back. Yeah. yeah. But it's all different and mean. And then, oh, I don't want to spoil yeah. too much. But there are other things. There are some creepy things. Yeah. Yep. Well, I love that melodramatic horror of the 80s and even the 60s and 70s, that really over the top. So, I watched this one thinking, I want that same just in your face, like women screaming and shutters blowing in the wind and stuff. And <laughs> well, that's what I've heard about this movie compared to that first one, which is mm. perfect fodder for and that kind of massive horror that this one has been made for 2019. Yeah. I'm going to stick with the original. I think I like that one better. She doesn't want me here. No, 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 no. Mommy just needs time. It's okay. I don't want her here either. There's a film coming up we'll talk about called The Curse of the Weeping Woman and that's family-based horror as well and the suspense comes from when you see kids and they're about to walk into danger. That is the most scary parts of this film where the kids are just so oblivious and they're just la-la-la-la-la through the forest <laughs> and you're like, no, you dumb idiot, what are you doing? Yeah, like the John Krasinski, what's the... Um, uh, quiet Place. Quiet Place, same yeah. sort of thing, exactly as you say, playing on like yeah. children. Yeah, adding kids yeah. into horror because they're so vulnerable and they're so innocent mm. and that makes it 
like so much scarier as well. With this movie, there's a game I always like playing, which is the Stephen King story. And I have like in my head a little checklist of Stephen King things. So it's set in Maine, as all Stephen King stories are. <laughs> there's a premonition at some point. There's a creepy kid at some point. They're like the hallmark Stephen King greatest hits. And they're all in here. In all the trailers, the kids have these masks. It seems very Stephen King. Yes, yeah, the kids are wearing these animal masks and that's part of the pet cemetery where there's one scene right at the beginning where these kids are doing a procession to the pet cemetery to bury a pet dog and that's where this creepiness creeps in, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> comes in and then the family cat. So there's all these echoes of animals and the undead and things like that but it didn't push it for me as far as it, it could have because it was only a taste of that at the beginning and then it sort of falls away and is never mentioned again. Like kids wearing creepy masks throughout the whole thing would have scared me. That's a good example of them like updating to 2019 because that's not prevalent in the book at all. Mm. But it's a good representation of what's so unsettling about it, I think, that they have cleverly like updated because it is as soon as you see that emotionless like a rabbit mask, mm. creepy. You can't see anything like behind the mask and it's so unsettling. So we've talked about Stephen King. Who made it then? Who who didn't put that on the screen? Yeah, Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer, who direct things together. They've only made a few horror things. I looked them up afterwards and I haven't seen any of their movies, but I mean, mm. maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe they're just doing a genre I'm not aware of, but they look like maybe like direct-to-DVD kind of horror stuff. Is this a direct-to-DVD horror or is this ready for the big screen? Don't look fair play to them. They, they did a really good job. It's a movie that's like beautifully directed, and also horrifying. It's not quite the hereditary level, but it is also not your run-of-the-mill direction. There are some interesting ideas in it. The way that they've portrayed scenes are quite interesting. They, they go a little above and beyond a directed DVD horror. Let me tell you, the row of teenagers behind us when we were watching it were very scared. <laughs> they were mumbling to each other and going, oh, no, oh, no, yeah. the whole way. So Maybe that's sort of... in a fog of links, Africa. <laughs> 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 Maybe that lessened the fear for me because yeah. I was just annoyed by so, them. Whispering, this didn't happen in the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> so who should see this film? I think for hardcore horror fans, they won't get much of a scare. But if you're a middling horror fan, maybe, or a teenager... Apparently you'll get really scared. Yeah, I put this, there's a category I put of like date night horror, which is like, it's scary and you'll have a good time or whatever, but you won't be like mortified. Whereas I mentioned Hereditary before, don't take someone on a date to see that. <laughs> it's a really disturbing movie. This is, it's a bit of fun horror. Also in cinemas this week, Dumbo. The remake of the animated classic Disney film. Us. The next horror film by Jordan Peele. And Five Feet Apart, a tragic teen romance movie. You can hear about all of those by clicking on the previous episode in whatever podcast app that you're in right now. Good morning, June Bailey. Bucky. Operation Wonder Park is a go. They said it couldn't be done. But behold! Who said it couldn't be done? They. Who's they? It's just an expression. Don't bust me on a technicality. I can't really believe that Easter is almost upon us. It means school holidays and it means family fun on the big screen. Wonder Park definitely skews younger than Shazam, but with Jennifer Garner and Keenan Thompson of SNL on board, it really packs some punch in the vocal booth. Wonder Park is this weird mishmash of different things happening all at once. And I need to admit, I don't even fully understand what's going on. I'll get to what I'm talking about in just a moment. For those unfamiliar, Wonder Park is about a young girl and her mother who imagine this amazing theme park called Wonderland for some reason in their imaginations and, and whatever they can think of comes true. And then one day this young girl actually discovers it's a real place and everything they've been talking about is real and she needs to save Wonderland. Good morning, everyone. 
everyone! Thanks for coming out. What are you creating today, Peanut? Today's the day we're opening the carousel. Oh, and she's gonna be a real beaut. I've got the finest thoroughbred horses. That sounds kind of... Been there, done that. This movie seems to have gone through so many different weird stages of development. So like I said, it's called Wonder Park, but the theme park is called Wonderland. Right. right. Which is a weird choice. Yes. And then I read, oh, it, it was actually retitled Wonder Park. I thought, okay, well, maybe that makes sense. Maybe there's some kind of legal thing. But it was renamed from Amusement Park. <laughs> so, like, what? none of them connect <laughs> in any way. I don't know what's going on with the creative decisions behind this movie. And I think, I mean, this hasn't screened. We should point that out. There's been no press screens or anything for it. It definitely seems like a movie that skews maybe just for kids. Mm. We talk about that spectrum of being for kids and adults or just for kids or just for adults. This looks like maybe it's just for kids. My fascination with this movie continues some. So if you were to look up who directed this movie, you will find no name Mm. because it doesn't have a director. Well, it does, but not credited. (laughs) Yes. So it was being directed by a guy called Dylan Brown and he was fired. Look, I don't even know why he was fired. Too many name changes. I'm going to guess it's not for a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. And no one took over as director to the point where at the end of the movie, normally it says directed by Steven Spielberg. It doesn't have that card. And if you go onto the IMDb page of this movie, there's a little tab that normally says directed by. It's not there. Oh, yeah. my God. I want to see it. This, yeah, like, <laughs> I want to know what happens me too. in a movie with no director. I think I'm more fascinated by the movie itself as an entity than <laughs> yeah. I am in the actual movie. The actual movie looks fine. It looks like, a, like maybe a slightly generic kids movie. Yeah, it's amusement park, whatever you can dream of happens. But I want to know what happened behind the scenes. But what's interesting about this as well is that this is a pilot to a Nickelodeon yes. series that's going to come out. That's the other thing that fascinated me. <laughs> they yeah. made this movie to jumpstart a TV show. <laughs> Remember <Right>. Jimmy Neutron? <laughs> No. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, back when Boy genius, CG, Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, back I think when CG was probably first invented. <laughs> yeah, it was like the early 2000s, I think. There was yeah, a yeah. movie that did okay called Jimmy Neutron. Mm. And weirdly they spun it off into a TV series that was kind of a really successful TV series. Yeah. And it was Nickelodeon, the same people that are making Wonder Park. Mm. And it seems like they're like, we'll just Jimmy Neutron this all over again. Right. <laughs> Yeah. But so who should see this film? Kids and parents who like are into Schadenfreude. Yeah. And, wa- <laughs> and want to see what happens when a film has no director. Yeah, I am legitimately interested to see what this comes out like because I mean the reviews aren't bad. It's out in America. They just haven't screened it here in Australia. The reviews are perfectly fine, but I want to know what happened to this movie. I mean, they've got big actors voicing these characters. Yeah, right? Matthew Broderick. Yeah, Mila Kunis, John Oliver, Ken Jeong. As you said, Matthew Broderick, they do have an unknown name for the main female character and that was because the producers wanted to cast someone that wasn't known even though Nickelodeon wanted someone famous and they auditioned like a thousand people and got this one girl. So she got like, you know, a dream job. For your chance to win Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, go to Facebook or Instagram and leave a comment on the Cinema Group post answering the question. Well, since we've got Shazam out this week, if you could transform into any superhero, which would it be? Leave it with the hashtag the Cinema Crew and you could win. Next week, more comic book heroes. Are we surprised? Hellboy is back. Some even bigger names than Wonder Park with Hugh Jackman, Emma Thompson and Timothy Oliphants in Missing Link. And it's been a while since we've seen a body switch film. Get ready to turn back time with little. Anyway, that's next week. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Ari. Thanks. I'm Kyron Wheatley, and we'll see you, at the very least, you'll hear us next week on the Cinema Crew, Village Cinemas.